You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Uh, some people play this game still. Many of us still play this game still. The staff kind of has this little competition thing going on. We'll still send ourselves like our results to see who can get it in two or three, you know, and see who can have the longest streak and all that kind of stuff. But, but when you're doing Wordle, if you've... If you don't know this game, this means nothing to you, but those of us who do, this does mean something. Every time you make a guess, maybe you're playing Scrabble or whatever, every time you wanna put a word in, you wanna make sure that that word accounts for something. You wanna find some letters that will help you solve the problem. And and because when you're playing that game, you wanna make sure you don't run out of guesses, right? Because when you run out of guesses, your streak's over and all that kind of stuff, you're disappointed. But in life, words count as well. When you speak words, they come along and they have some power. Words have power. And we know this. I know this. When I was growing up, um, I had a couple of nicknames, okay? Many of you probably had nicknames as well. One of my nicknames was like Marty, not party, but it's similar, only with a different letter to start it, and I used to hear it all the time. Even to this day, when it's like an immature adult, they'll still say it, and I'll go, are you serious? Really, Sean? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, but, but there was another one that I had when I was growing up, and, and those words, when people would call me this, they would just ignite something inside of me. And people called me Dumbo. Because like when I was born, my ears were a certain size, and they were this size. And like when I was a little kid, I had big ears. And people would tell me that I looked like a Volkswagen coming down the road with both doors open. And you laugh. And I'm still traumatized. But anyway, or they would call me Dumbo. And as a matter of fact, one of Tracy's good friends, her name was Paula, called me that. And I think it's the only time in my entire life that I've punched a girl. Yeah, exactly. So don't come finding me after the service and calling me Dumbo. I was like eight years old, so don't hold it against me, okay? But words have power, and we know that, but we know it more when we're on the receiving end of it. And you know that as well. Let me ask you this. What are the harshest words someone has ever spoken to you? That might have been a parent. It might have been a sibling. It might have been a friend, a so-called friend. It could have been somebody that worked with you. It could have been a boss. It could have been an employee. It could have been your parents. It might have been a coach. Might have been a teacher. Um, Tracy was telling me about a teacher that said, we were talking about it this morning as we were getting ready and eating breakfast. She was telling me about a teacher that had some harsh words for her, even as a small child that she still recalls to this day. Somebody caught me after service and said, I remember a, a supervisor that said something to me 45 years ago. And they, and, and right now, you're probably recalling some words, some harsh words that somebody spoke to you. And even now, there's some emotion that's attached to it, and you're feeling it well up inside you. Why is that? Because words have power, and you can recall those things years and years and years later. We don't know it so much on the front end, but we know it more on the receiving end. There was a guy that wrote a few books in the Old Testament, a couple of books in the Old Testament, three of them actually, and he was the wisest man who ever lived, and he wrote the Proverbs, he wrote Ecclesiastes, he wrote the Song of Solomon. And in that, in, in Proverbs, he said this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It means when you speak words, 
They have power of life and death. You speak life into someone or you speak death and defeat into someone. Somebody spoke life into you or someone has spoken death and defeat into you. And he goes on, he says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What he means by that is death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love words, if you love a multitude of words, you are going to reap the fruits of that, whether that be good or bad, because your words have power. And what we think is, when we were giving out words, we think all of it is, is just our words have content. We think, I'm just giving information, and by golly, they need to hear that information. They need to know what I think. They need to know how I feel. They need to read the words on social media because I'm gonna make a difference in this world by my posts that I'm about to put out there. And we think that our words are just full of information and good information and good content when we're on the giving side of it. But when we're on the receiving side of it, we realize that they also have power and they have great power and they have lifelong, life-influencing power. And this is where you feel it the most is when you're on the receiving end. And, and that's, why, that's why you and I can't remember something we said five minutes ago but yet we can remember what someone said to us five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or several decades ago because words have power. They're more than content. It's not just imparting information. It's not just telling people what they need or what you think they need to hear. Your words carry with it very enormous amounts of power and we need to be careful about how we use it. Because words matter, we should be careful about the words we use. When we're walking around our house, when we're speaking to our children, when we're speaking to our spouse, when we're speaking to our friends, when we're speaking to those around us, when you're speaking to that waiter or waitress this afternoon at the restaurant, remember, be careful about the words you use because your words have power. In the New Testament, there's a guy by the name of Paul. We talk about Paul a lot around here. We read a lot of his writings in the New Testament because he wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he said in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, he said these words, he wrote these words. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. We're gonna talk more about corrupting here in just a few moments. He said, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to break this verse down into two parts. This week, we're gonna talk about the negative aspect of our words. Next week, we're gonna talk about the positive aspect or the building up of our words. So this is a two-part series, and this week, we're gonna just deal with let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. I read a story by this institute called the Gottman Study, the Gottman Institute, and they did a study, and here's what they found. Stable and healthy relationships have a magic ratio of five positive words for every one negative word. Five positive words for every negative word in your healthy relationships. And we got this little balancing scale here. They are not scientific. They are more for decoration, but we're gonna make them work today. And I got these positive and negative signs up here for you because here's the thing. You and I, what we need in our healthy relationships is we need to impart five positive words for every one negative word. 
so that the positive relationship or the positive aspect of our words outweighs the negative. There's a place for this. There's a place for this. We're gonna talk about that next week. There is a place for this in your conversations, but this side, the negative side of it, should not dominate your conversations. But what happens with us is we tend to just impart negativity, 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 and every once in a while we'll go, you know what, I need to say something positive. And we'll say the one positive thing. But what happens in our relationships, they get out of balance in a negative way. We get, we get out, of, out of balance in a negative way because here's what our tendency is. We don't tend to go five to one on the positive side. What Gottman and his study realized is we tend to be more on the negative side and we give out three negative words for every one positive words. And you see how that scale jumped like that because you know what? I believe even those three negative words carry so much more weight than even that one positive word ever could. And we think, well, I said something nice. But no, but listen, your one nice phrase does not make up for all the negativity and all the corrupting talk that comes out of our mouths. And over the last few years, it's even been worse. Because if you look over the last couple of years, we've been through a pandemic. Man, there was a lot of opinions around that. There was a lot of opinions around the masks. There were a lot of opinions around the vaccination. Still a lot of opinions around those things. There was a lot of opinions around the election that happened a couple of years ago. And when you look at the calendar, you go, you what? We gotta go through this again in just a few months, another election cycle. And what happens is we just get boiled over with so much emotion. The financial downturn that you've experienced with inflation and the gas prices and all that. So we have all this pent up emotion. And what happens is we jump on Facebook or we jump on social media or we go to work or we start interacting with people and we start to just pile on the negativity. And we think, man, they need to hear that. They need to hear my opinion. They need to hear my words. You know what? No, they don't. No, they don't. We just sometimes vent things to make us feel better, but the person on the other end of it is not benefiting one iota from what we say. So that's why Paul wrote, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. What is corrupting? Does that mean just don't let bad words fly? That's part of it. Does that mean I just don't, you know, cuss somebody out at the red light? That's a lot of it, but it's not all of it. See, there's this little Greek word called sapros, and it means rotten not in good condition, damaged or decayed, hence unsound and useless. And what we think is we think that our words are useful. We think that we ought to just pour out our whole mind and everything that we think ought to just go into a written page or on a, on a social media post or, or they ought to be spoken out loud. And what Paul is saying is some of your words that you think are good are actually rotten or they are repugnant. I like that word, repugnant. That's what some of our words are. When they come out, they become putrid. They become repugnant to the ears of those around us. And they are rotten, they're unsound, and they are useless to the recipient. And what happens is, this usually happens because we get into this emotional uh, frenzy and we think we've just got to impart our words. We want everybody to know our opinion. And we have these corrupting words that come out. And what, what, what the issue is, is we can't help what comes into our mind. Let me just tell you something. I am a very, very, very strongly opinionated person, believe it or not. I have strong opinions about so many different aspects of life. If you ever want to know them, catch me by myself in one of those moods. I'll tell you. 
those who know me best <laughs> know me most, right? But anyway, so there are those words, and we use them. And so, but what happens is those thoughts, we can't help that they come into our mind. But what we have to do is just give a little bit of pause and a little bit of consideration before they make their way through our mouths or onto the keyboard or into the text message, or into the email. Some of you need to do like I do occasionally. You need to draft an email and put it in the draft box without a sender, without a receiver's address on there, just in case it accidentally gets sent. You need to just formulate it, let a couple of people read over it, and then send it out. Or that text message, just don't. We need to give some thought between the, the thoughts that come into our mind, consider those before they come out of our mouths or onto the keyboard or into the text message. So we need to say this to ourselves before we send it out. Do I allow that thought to become words? Do I allow everything that I think to become words? Does, does everybody in my social media list need to know every thought I have about every single thing that comes around? No, they don't. As a matter of fact, it's probably not healthy for them to know everything that comes through your mind and my mind for sure. I know this. I know this. And so ask yourself that question. And so when you look at Jesus, Jesus actually used that same little word, that sopros word. He used it over in the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what he said. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. The diseased, the, the rotten the repugnant, the repulsive, the tree that has a disease somewhere in it, when its fruit comes out, you do not want to eat it. And you know what that you know what that's like. You've gone to the grocery store and you thought you got a good bag of apples and you went home and you reached in after a few days and your thumb went into one. And you kind of had that repulsed feeling. Oh, it's gross. And you threw the whole bag away because we know that one bad apple Rotten's the whole thing, right? That's what I've heard. I don't always think that's true, but anyway. Uh, but you, when you when you grab that bad orange and you go, oh, I should have checked the bag better, and you throw it away because why? It repulses. You would never consume that, but yet we're regurgitating that all the time. We're just putting these words out, and Jesus is saying there's a diseased tree that bears bad fruit, and the, and the issue is the, the diseased tree. He goes on, and he says, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear any good fruit. And so what Jesus was saying is this, there is a direct connection between our heart and our words. I know that when I was growing up, my mom, Southern woman, as Southern as they come, you should listen to her talk. She was Southern. And so when I was a little boy, and I would say things I shouldn't say. One of those things is we never, ever, ever in our household told anybody in the world that I hate you. Even in joking, if you ever said the word, I hate you, even to this day, I hesitate saying I hate anything because of the vivid memories that I have of my mom making me lay down on the counter in the kitchen, my head upside down with the Dawn dishwashing liquid squirting into my mouth. Anybody else have a mama like that? 
My mama believed that she should wash my mouth out with soap when I said something I shouldn't say. It could have been a bad word, but I didn't really do those. But if you ever said, I hate somebody, her wrath was going to be poured out into your mouth in the form of washing your mouth out with soap. Now, my mom knew as much as you do that washing my mouth out with soap did little to correct the reason that the words came out of my mouth. All it does was go, I'm never saying that again because I don't like the taste of that soap, okay? So, but we know it's a heart issue. We know that it's not really a tongue issue. It is a heart issue because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, So when we say things that are repugnant, when we say things that are corrupting, when we say things that are really of no use to those on the other side of that, then there's a heart issue that we need to deal with. Because here's the thing, our words carry far more than just intellectual value. It's not just intellectual value that you're imparting. Your words carry emotional and the power of life and death, according to Solomon. So your words Although for you, they may not seem like that big of a deal. The person on the other side of the, of, of the room from you or on the other side of the keyboard from you, when they read those, when they hear those come out of your mouth, they have far more weight than just information. They carry emotional, they carry the power of life and death. And what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, am I more passionate about making my point and making my opinion known? Or am I more passionate about making a real difference in the life of the person or the persons who will hear my words or read my words? Does it really matter that I put this out there, that I say these words when I've had a bad day at work and I come home and my wife is standing there, does she really need to hear me regurgitate and take out all of my frustrations on her or on him or on your kids? or on your friends, or on anybody else that seems to cross our paths. It is not just intellectual. They carry with it so much more. And you may be thinking, well, you know what? I don't care. The person that I spoke that to, they deserved it. And I hope it cuts them. I hope 20 years later, they can still recall the words that I said. And that's, you so be it, so be it. But that's not the only person you're hurting. Paul goes on over here in Ephesians. He says this. He goes on to say that, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. You see, your words, they don't just grieve the person who hears them. They grieve the Holy Spirit of God, who if you're a follower of Jesus like me, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And so when you speak those words to one of his children or one of his creations, listen, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. If you look back on this passage, hey, there's some, there's some other categories that he's putting this in. He's talking about lying. He's talking about anger. He's talking about stealing. All of those things where we would condemn those without a shadow of a doubt. He's saying, you condemn lying. You condemn anger. You condemn stealing, condemn stealing. But I'm condemning the words that you speak that are corrupting words. I'm putting those all in the same category. And when you do those things, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Not just the person who you may think deserves to hear every word you have to say. Because you know what? Many times they probably do. They probably do deserve to hear it. I mean, they probably have done something to really offend you or make you mad. And and by all means, they they ought to hear it. But when you do that, you are grieving the Holy Spirit 
of God. And so, if we look at the words of Jesus, he didn't just say that about the rotten tree producing the rotten fruit. He said something else about it. Because even if you say, I don't care about the recipient, and really, the Holy Spirit, he can get over it, he'll forgive me, and we'll move on. Jesus said something else about it. He said this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, there's gonna come a time when there's gonna be a little bit of judgment, a lot of judgment for some. People will give an account for every careless word they speak. Sometimes I think about what heaven is gonna be like, and I think about this line right here, where it's like, okay, it's time to get in line for the careless words. That's gonna be a long line. And what if they just flashed them all up on the screen? And, and you go, wow, Tom said that? Sean, seriously? And then mine comes up there and I go, oh, I didn't think anybody ever knew that. And, and, and it happened to me coming home from Tanzania, as a matter of fact. I mean, we flew for like 30 hours, okay? No, that is no exaggeration. It was a long, long trip. The longest flight was 16 hours, I think it was. And so we get to, to Washington, D.C., and well, that'll put you in a bad mood anyway, right? So we're in Washington, D.C. We're getting on our last flight. I'm the guy who travels with just a backpack, and it's not a heavy backpack. It's just a lightweight backpack, got some of my necessities in it. And I'm walking on the plane, and these people are, are rolling their little suitcase. They got a backpack, and they got another little item they purchased as a souvenir. And they're walking through, filling up the overhead bins. And I've been flying all this time. And this little stewardess, sweet as she can be, I guess, but she said, sir, you can't use the overhead bin. You need to put your backpack under the seat in front of you. And I went, are you kidding me? All these people that load up all these things, they fill it up. I carry this little backpack and I've got to suffer. I actually said that out loud. And uh, I felt bad because when I sat down in the seat, I went, I'm preaching on this Sunday. <laughs> and I just did it. But it made a good illustration. And so later on, she came to me and said, sir, there's some room up front in the overhead bin. Could I take your backpack for you? I said, I'm good. Let's fly. I was ready to get home. But, but it happens. It just It's one of those things where... What if we, I mean, we are. I mean, he tells us right here, we're gonna give an account for every, every careless word we speak. And so we ought to give some careful thought about what we say, right? We ought to think about it before it comes out of our mouths. And Jesus goes on, he says, for by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. What he is meaning by that is one day you're gonna give an account for your words and our claims of being a follower of Jesus will be measured against our words. Now, this will not keep us in heaven or, or get us in heaven or out of heaven. It's not a matter of that. He's just saying, as a follower of Jesus, your claims to follow Jesus are going to be justified as, in, 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 the, in the eyes of other people. They're going to affirm that, oh, he must be like Jesus because of the words he uses or the words he doesn't use, or he can use words like that. How could he ever claim to be a follower of Jesus? And so our claims, if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, we should talk like it. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, talk like it. But what we do is we kind of put ourselves in other categories. I am of this political party, so we talk like that. Or I am of this gender, I'll talk like that. Or I am of this marital status, I'll talk like that. Or I am of this social status, I'll talk like that. And what Jesus is saying, no, you're a follower of Jesus before you're anything else. Over and above all of those things, 
You are a Jesus follower before you're a Democrat. You're a Jesus follower before you're a Republican. You're a Jesus follower before you're a mother. You're a Jesus follower before you're a father. You're a Jesus follower above everything else. And as a result of that, talk like it. Talk like it. And don't let any corrupting words come out of your mouth. Because when you do, you tip the scales in all of your relationships in a way that grieves the Holy Spirit and you and I will one day give an account of those words before God. So your words stand as evidence of your claim to be a follower of Jesus. Your words are the evidence. The way you treat and interact with other people, that's the evidence that people know that we're followers of Jesus. So the bottom line today is this. Before you speak, remember what a word from you can do. You may not think your words have power, but your words have the power of life and death. You give life and you give death. Today, we dealt a lot with the negative side of this. Next week, we're gonna talk about the positive side. How do we use even correcting words, not corrupting words, correcting words in a positive way. We're gonna look at that next week. But a few things for you to consider as we finish up. Is there a relationship where, <laughs> I put an extra word in there, where your words are out of balance? Is there a relationship where you're way out of balance on this? I mean, do this. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, what are the first words you utter? Think about that. I actually did this exercise a number of years ago and still to this day, I try to give consideration to the first words that come out of my mouth in the mornings. Do I complain or do I try to at least, at least set the trajectory in the right direction from the first words that come out? So what are the first words? But more importantly, is there a relationship where your words are just out of balance? They're way out of balance. And how are your relationships affected by your corrupting talk? Hey, do you have a child or a spouse or a friend or somebody else whose words have been negatively affected by your corrupting words? This afternoon, if you go to the restaurants and your waitress gets your, your order wrong, your words have power. She may be having a bad day. He may be having a bad day. Consider your words and consider how your relationships are affected by that. And then finally, where can you avoid using corrupting words this week. Think it through. Think through the places that you're going to go. No matter where it is, at work, where we tend to like to spew them out, out in public and other places, somebody doesn't give you good customer service, your spouse doesn't measure up to what your expectation was, which is probably unreasonable anyway, your kids don't kind of measure up to the perfection of the neighbor's kids or somebody else's kids, and so you spew these corrupting words on them. Man, listen, just where can you avoid using corrupting words this week? We all have relationships that have been ruined by these, by words, and we need to just set the course in a better direction. So let's all stand together. Now, I love this last song that we're about to sing. And I think that as Ann sings this, I think we could just make it the prayer of our hearts. So Father, we pray today that you will help us to give great consideration to the words that pop into our minds and help us to really filter those through your Holy Spirit's desire for the way that we speak and how we interact. That's so why I pray that this week we will not grieve the Holy Spirit 
by our corrupting talk. God, if there's somebody here today that is not a follower of Jesus, my prayer today is that they would trust him as their Lord and Savior. Put their faith and trust in him to help them through this life and to take them to eternal life after this life. So we love you in Jesus' name, amen.